How you guys doing today? Good. Hey, my name is Derek Murphy. I'm the Life Together Director. And Kip that was just up here, I don't think he mentioned this. He is actually, uh, just this week, he's uh, decided to join our staff uh, and, and volunteer his own time to be our next step coordinator. So let's just give him a round of applause for, he's, God's, God's at work here, like he's moving, like he, he, he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to take another job, I'm actually going to work at the church and, and just do that, because uh, uh, that's where God's taking him. So it's, it's cool, uh, it's cool to be a part of this team, it's cool to be a part of what God's doing here, and uh, hey, just want to say thanks for being here, thanks for uh, uh, coming to K2 this morning. Uh, another thing about Kip and the Houston team, as you saw probably some pictures of me, I was there on that one. Every dude that was over 45 years of age jumped on that, you know, that stud finder joke every time we were trying to put the cabinets up like a live grenade. I mean, it was just like, wah! <laughs> yeah, no, stud finder, I'm right here, you know. You already found one. You don't need one. I got it. You know, it was, it was so much a dad joke. So anyway, happy Father's Day. So, so happy that you're here today. And uh, today we're in this, this middle of this series called Think About This. And... We're uh, talk, tackling a pretty good one today, and it really has to do with the nature of God and the nature of humanity. And so, like, we're going to tackle the questions, who is God, who are we, and then what is our purpose in this world? Not, nothing too big. We'll, we'll get it taken care of here pretty soon. So, uh, real quick, though, I want you to take part in this with me. Uh, in your sermon notes, uh, in your bulletin, if you got one of those, if you didn't, you should grab those when you come in. There's, uh, in the middle... The very first, though, on the very top line, it says, we as humans are, and it's asked to complete that statement in two or three words. So if you have a pen, would you do that for me real quick before we get into this message? We as humans are, and if you don't have the paper, just pull out your phone or whatever, start a note, and write, write that down. What do you think? We as humans are, complete it in two to three words. Now, to try to answer this question, we are going to start with God, really. And, uh, and so we as humans are, what does God say that we are? And I know that some of you in the room, we actually are very proud about the fact that uh, a few years back we did a survey and 25% of people who call K2 home don't actually believe yet in Christ. And so we're happy that you're here. And so you might be going, okay, you're starting with the God thing pretty early. Well, 90 uh, nine out of ten Americans say they believe in God. So let's just, let's just start together and say, let's try to figure out what this, this God thing is all about. And I think where we get into trouble is uh, people start to get all tense about how we deal with the Bible and how we deal with religion and what we're trying to ask you to do in the midst of that, right? And so let's just start at the beginning. If we're going to start with what God's trying to do in the world, let's start right at Genesis chapter 1. Uh, the rabbis, the ancient Jewish teachers, believe that every major lesson that God is trying to teach us, it happens in Genesis 1 through 3. Everything is right there. We can get it. We can glean it. And so we're going to spend most of our day in Genesis chapter 1 today, though. Um, and so are you guys ready to dive on in today? Cool. Let's dive on in. Okay. Genesis chapter 1 says this. In the beginning, God. Actually, this is a, a, a funny thing, is that the, the rabbis teach, this is the very first lesson of the book 
of Genesis. You got to get it. Before you even move on to what happened, in the beginning, God. That before there was anything else, God was there. And that he is the center of everything else that happens from here on out. Like, everything, that, every lesson that's taught throughout the rest of this chapter and in those first three chapters and all throughout the rest of Scripture hangs on this reality. God exists and he lives, okay? So this, if you want to understand the Bible, that's the, the first primary teaching in the beginning God. He did what? He created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's something really interesting in this. Now, I always read it, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he actually starts to explain how he starts to do that, right? Because you get right after this, these first couple verses, the days, right? But it actually is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then boom, the earth was formless and void. It's there, right? It's like, okay, the first line it happened, and we, we kind of blinked and missed it, right? It's like it's already there. And so now the earth was formless and void. So this, this formless and void is the Hebrew, can you say tohu vavohu? A good, I, wait a, you gave it a good shot there. Tohu vavohu. It's without form and void is, uh, is like chaotic nothingness. It's, it's like everything in the world was there. But it, was, it wasn't in order. It was like all the, have you guys ever, when you were a kid, like took the, like the, the paints, the, the color paints, you know, and then you mixed them all together? And you had like, all the colors are black, you know, when you put them all together, or brown or something. It's like, it's, it's like that. It's like God had all the colors, except they were all mixed all together. And, he, and then he had to take it all and make something useful out of it, right? And how do you do that? Like, how do you actually take all the colors and make them their own color again? Well, somehow God makes that happen. Uh, and it says that there's water, and in the, in the Hebrew Bible, like, water is, uh, is seen as chaotic. It's like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, there's this phrase, white men can't jump, right? And it's like... It's like, kind of like this with, with this, is, uh, this isn't my saying, but it's like Jewish people don't like water is what this, this kind of thing. You see it with Jesus and the disciples are out on the boat and like it starts to get a little wavy and they're freaking out, right? It's like the exact same thing is happening here. Uh, they're not known for being seafaring people. God's spirit, though, comes in the midst of this chaotic place and hovers over the deep. And he starts to do something. He starts to bring order into the midst of the disorder that's already there. So God created this thing, but he has to do something with it, right? So let's keep moving on. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called that day or that light day and the darkness he called night. So instead of reading, I want to, I want to take you through the whole chapter of Genesis but we don't have time to put all that up on and read it. It would take too much. So let's put up the days of creation here. Genesis, there we go. So day one we just read. And it's interesting, like I was saying, the earth was there now, right? It just kind of, he created the earth, it was there. And so the very, the very first day, it's just like he separated things. He took the colors that were all mixed together and he make, made something out of them. He separated the light and the darkness, and think right here, think like 
universe. Think big picture. Think bigger than the earth, right? And then day two, he separated the waters from above from the waters from below. So think like he created the sky and he created the sea. It's like this atmosphere, okay? He's starting to bring boundaries into the world, right? And then day three, he separated the sea, so there's water below, but there's no land yet. So he's like, okay, let me make land out of this thing. And so now there's, there's actual sea, and then there's land separated, right? So we got, we got universe, we got light and dark, right? We've got, we've got atmosphere, and now we've got land, and we've got sea, all these things. So he hasn't actually created anything else yet in the first three days. He's actually creating spaces for things to fill it up. So Day, days one through three, he's actually creating spaces. Look at day four. He created the sun, moon, and stars. What does that fill? Fills this, the universe, the light and the dark spaces that he created on day one. Get filled with the sun, moon, and the stars. He puts them all into their place. And now we have this, this wonderful canopy up here, this canvas of the sky. And then on day, uh, day, let's see, where am I at? Day five. He created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. What did we talk about? He separated the waters from above from the waters from below. So he filled the sky, the waters above, and he filled the, the, the waters below with the fish of the sea. He's, he's, he's starting to fill all the stuff up. And then he created on day six animals to walk the earth, and he created mankind. It's kind of like this. Have you guys ever watched Fixer Upper? Yeah, you guys love Chip and Joe, right? It's like, it's like Chip builds the house, and then Joe fills it up with all the cool stuff, right, the furniture. It's think about days one through three are like Chip gains, and days five through six or whatever, four through six are like Joanna, right? There you go. There's your, but except it's God, and he does it all in once. He doesn't need two people. He's all, he's all powerful, and he makes this happen. He, he creates the earth, creates the universe, he creates the atmosphere, and then he fills it up with all the good stuff. That's what's happening here, right? It's a little bit of a tangent, but it's fun, right? Let's keep moving on into day six, because I think it's really important for us to stop and get a snapshot if we're trying to answer the question like, what is the nature of mankind? What, is, what, what are we? Who are we? are we? Are we good? Did you guys fill that out, by the way? You write it out? Okay, let's read this. Genesis 1, 26 through 31 says, Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now that's kind of harsh language, right? But if any of you have ever tried to take care of a yard know that you kind of have to subdue it, right? It's like rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it They will be yours for food, and to the beasts of the earth, and the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food, and it was good. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Hopefully you didn't glaze over for too long there, right? There was a lot of reading, and a lot of seeds, and plants, and all this stuff. But 
Uh, let's, let's, there's a lot going on here. So let's start to unpack this part of the, the Genesis uh, story, right? And what it's trying to say about who we are. And let's start with that last phrase. There was evening and there was morning. Don't you, don't you know, God, how the world works? How does it actually go? It was morning and then evening. Doesn't God know? Okay, this, this is really important. And before we can unpack that, I think we need to understand something about what's happening uh, in this, this book, and that makes us have to actually start to talk about how do we actually interpret the Bible. Now, most of us, when we read the Bible, we read it through our own lens, right? We, wanna, we read it and we go, okay, what can I get out of this? Okay, what does this mean to me? And then we move along, right? But if you're going to really try to understand what God is trying to say in the Word of God, it first has a meaning to its original audience, Context is key in this, and so we really need to understand what is happening below the surface in this book. And so, first of all, when you read it, I'm sure this is what happens in your lens. You read it and you go, oh, this is how God created the earth. Cool, right? Or you're in, that, you're in another group. You're like, this isn't how I learned how the earth was brought into existence in my science class. Uh, Okay, I'm done with this book, and you throw it away, right? I don't know. You might be one of those two camps sitting in this room, and uh, really, what, that's not what the purpose of this book. It isn't trying to teach first a history lesson. Uh, first key of all of Scripture is that history is secondary to, first, God teaching us something about himself and about how we're going to interact with him in this world, Okay. That's something we have to understand as we move into uh, his word and try to figure out what he's trying to do. And so when we look at the scriptures here and we take like a traditional view of what this, the first hearers were, if, we, we, if God is speaking through Moses to write this down, we've got the people of Israel. They're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the chosen people of God, but they have been in Egypt for 400 years, and what were they doing in Egypt? They were slaves, right? They were slaves for 400 years. And so we got to understand that this is the context that God is speaking into, and he needs to speak into his people. He is bringing his people out of Egypt, and he's teaching them what it looks like to follow him instead of following the ways of the Egyptians, right? So he's, he's teaching them, he's showing them, he's courting them. And in this, this, this image, he's trying to tell them something. Now, in Egypt, for 400 years, these people have been told that their worth is summed up in how many bricks they could make in a day, right? We see this in the story, like, it, they even... The, the, the slave masters are saying, you need to make more bricks. And they're like, we can't make more bricks. And, and then they, they're like, well, here, you make more bricks, we're going to give you less materials, and we're going to give you less time, and all these things. Like, make more bricks. And they're like, how are we going to make more bricks? And they, this, this is their, their whole world is tied up in this. And if they can't make bricks anymore, then of, they're, they're of no use to these people. They're, their family is no longer legitimate. And so these, these men are put in this position where they have to try to provide. They have to try to stay healthy. They got to get up even if they don't feel good, and they got to build something. So what it meant to be a slave, right? 
In fact, their, their existence was meaningless to the pharaoh. The, the highest ruler, uh, the highest superpower country in the day uh, decided, hey, these people are getting, making me a little uncomfortable. They're, they're growing so much in number that they're influencing our culture and our economy in a way that I don't really like, makes me uncomfortable. So let's go ahead and take their children from them and just throw them into the river, right? Uh, that, <laughs> that's what's happening. That's how, that's how dispensable they are to this world leader at the time. Let's just take their children, rip them away from their families, and we don't care, right? That's who he is, right? And so this is the story. This is the context. So you're going, what does that have anything to do with evening and morning, Derek? Like, get back on track, okay? You guys with me still? Okay. I can't tell you what it has to do with evening and morning yet. I'm, a, I'm kind of a tease here, but I will, we'll get there, right? Let's first, before I can tell you about evening and morning, We've got to finish up the story. And I talked about Genesis uh, 1, and I talked you through days 1 through 6, but what did I miss? Day 7, right? And day 7 is in Genesis chapter 2, which, by the way, is ridiculous. It should have been in Genesis chapter 1. It's part of the same story. So I'm just going to pretend I'm only in Genesis chapter 1 right now, okay? So, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Got a question for you. How many days off does a slave get? They have a 401k, right? They get paid holidays. Isn't that the case? They they don't get a day off, right? And so God is teaching them something, right? This is what this book is about. This is what this chapter is about. He's trying to tell them a different story about the reality. You know, and, and teach them how to live life outside of Egypt. If you've been conditioned for 400 years, every day... You wake up and you work from sunrise to sunset seven days a week. Even if you're let go from the bondage of the slave master whipping your back, aren't you going to go right back to that? Most likely, yeah. And you're going to teach your kids that. And God's like, no, I want to teach you a different reality. And I think the, the thing that he starts to teach his people is something that maybe we can listen in on and learn something from too, right? Because this might be creeping into our culture too, is uh, with God, right? What's the first lesson of Genesis? In the beginning? Huh? Okay, yeah, there we go. In the beginning, God. The first lesson of Genesis says, with God, I can do more in six days than the rest of the world can do on their own, clamoring in seven. That's the first, that's, that's, that's the lesson that he's teaching in, in the Sabbath. And it's more than that. Now I'll finally get to the evening and then morning, okay? More than that, this is more than just, hey, take a day off, you deserve it, right? This, this is more than that. He is teaching them about their value. He's teaching them about their worth. You know, the reason the rabbis teach, the ancient Jewish teachers teach, uh, that there was evening and then there was morning is because instead of working and then, oh, I've earned some time to rest, right? That's what we do. Like, oh, I put in a hard day's work. Now I can relax. No, the, even today, the, if you go and you go and work uh, 
spends any time in a, uh, in a Jewish community, their day starts at sundown. And that's because you start with rest. And then out of your rest, you work. That's how the day is formatted. And, and that's teaching a very specific lesson that you don't get your worth based on how many bricks you can bake in a day, right? You get your worth based on who God says that you are. It's not based on what you make. It's based on who made you. Do you guys get where I'm going with this? He says that he made them. Let us make man. Let us create Man, let us create man and woman. Four times it actually says, make, create, create, create. He's, he's got this plan, and it wasn't an accident, right? It's like, you were made, God's people were made, and he was very intentional about that. Right, this, so, so real quick, pull out your sheets. Did you guys write down something? Okay, I can't tell what you wrote because you wrote it on your paper, but... I surveyed the staff, okay? Uh, they didn't know I was gonna do this. I didn't even know I was gonna do this when I did it. Um, but I put nine of their responses here on the screen. There's 21 staff, and there's nine of them. Go ahead and throw that slide up there. Okay, finish this statement in two or three words. We as humans are wayward wanderers without, a mess, completely messed up, a bloody mess, Flawed and broken, completely lost, imperfect, hurtful, need help. Does that look a little bit like what you guys wrote? No? Okay, good. Well, there's, there's out of 21 responses, I had, uh, there was two that were positive. Uh, there was 19 that looked a lot like this, and I could only fit that many on the screen, okay? So uh, this, this is what we got back, and this is really the truth of, what many of us feel about our human condition, right? It's like when we try to ask the question, who am I? Like, what is my place in the world? Who is God? Like, what is the nature of humanity? Oftentimes we go to this, right? It's like, we are messed up. Just look at the world. Look at how, look at how things have turned out. There's no way God could be present here. Like, look at the way things have just, man, it's chaotic. That's, that's where we're at, right? But I think... What I want to suggest to you is that when we do that, we actually start our interpretation of humanity in the wrong place, right? Instead of starting at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we've actually gone to another chapter in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, something happens, right? You guys know what happened? Sin entered the world, right? Man fell. We became self-focused. We became about who we are. And instead of saying, in the beginning, God, we said, in the beginning, yeah, it's about me, right? We replaced ourselves with God. We lost the first lesson. And we started walking our own path. And when we look back, here, here's our, our, we're looking down the road we actually have to look through that. We have to look through Genesis 3 in order to see Genesis 1. And Genesis 3 is such a big landmark in the road, and oftentimes that's all we see. We don't even see what happens in Genesis chapter 1. 
But in Genesis chapter 3, sin happened. But it happened after Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let's create man and let's create him in our own image, right? Let me say, is God good? God is good? Yeah, all the time, all the time. God is good, right? You were created in his image. What does that say about you? To me, that says that sin is like a virus. It's not the host, right? We have to interpret Scripture the way it's actually laid out. God is telling a story about our human condition, about who we are as a people. And we have to listen in on that and say, what are you trying to tell us, God? And he's trying to tell us, first, I created you. First, I said, man, I'm going to make you in my own image. And then something else happened down the road, but that something else isn't who you are. That should not define you. And not only that, let's look through days one through six of creation. He said, he separated the light from the dark, and then he said what? It was, and there was evening and there was morning, right? Then he separated waters from, uh, from the sky and waters from below, and he said it was what? There was evening and there was morning. He separated the seas from the earth, and he said it was good. He created the sun, moon, and stars, and he said it was right? He created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and he said it was. He created animals, and he said it was. He created man, and he said what? Oh, you guys are ahead of me, right? Way to go. <laughs> yes, he created us. He didn't just say, it's good. He said, it's very good. God is trying to tell us something very, in a very, very strong way. No longer are you worth what you make. No longer are you identified by your worst moments. No, that is not the truth about who you are any longer. That's not who I created you to be. Now, you, you, you are my beautiful creation. And you are very good. I made you in my own image. You're an image bearer of the Father. Do you know what that means? Now, there's this guy named St. Irenaeus. And he was an, what they call an early church father. And about 125 AD, he was, so he was discipled by a man who was discipled by the, the apostle John. Uh, so he's like two generations from the actual apostles that followed Jesus, right? So three, three generations removed from Jesus himself. This person says, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. You actually see God's glory when we're living out our fullness, when we're living out our identity, Right? That's, that's the truth. Why? Because we're image bearers of the Father. That we actually, 
when people see us living in our own true identity, when we live in the, the reality that God made us good and that our worth isn't dependent on how much we make, how much money we have, any of those things, it's dependent on who made us, and he says it is good, when we carry God's image into that. And people can actually see God through us. And because of that, they glorify the Father. The glory of God is man fully of life. Now, there's some of you going, freaking out right now, probably going, what are you doing, Derek? You're a heretic, right? It's like, I'm not discounting sin, okay? Sin still happened. And if you replace the first lesson of creation, in the beginning God, within the beginning me, you're going to walk down a road that leads to destruction, okay? That's the truth. But it isn't the truest true of your nature, right? It's, it's like this. Sin, sin, it's the intruder. It isn't the homeowner. It's a virus. It isn't the host. And if I de- detach a little from from Genesis chapter 1 and go into the, the actual teaching of Jesus. What did Jesus come to do? He came to reconcile us. He came to bring us back to that reality. He came to show us who we were originally created to be because when we look back, our eyes are so clouded, we can't see Gen- through Genesis chapter 3 to see into Genesis chapter 1 how God actually made us. That the Father actually loves us. And he wants something really good for our lives. In fact, he wants something better than we can ever even imagine. Like my son, he's right here. We've got a sticker chart, and he's got like uh, a little ways until he hits the grand prize. There's like little prizes along the way. And he thinks the grand prize is going to be going to Target and picking out like sometimes we, we like let him buy like a $2 Roblox thing or whatever. And he thinks that's the grand prize, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be a lot better. Oh, this is, what size is my mic on? It's going to be a lot better, except I can't tell you in first service because he's in here. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but it's going to be so much better, and that's the truth about who God is, right? Jesus says, if, our, if us as fathers want to give good gifts to our children, how much more Does the Heavenly Father want to give good gifts to us? Like he wants to give us something so much more than we can ever imagine. Let me me just read you a verse out of the book of John, chapter 10, okay? It says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. What did Jesus come to do? Came to give us life to the full, right? What does the enemy want to do? He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. So whose best interest is it in for us to believe that we're worthless? That we have nothing to offer to God, that we're totally depraved. Whose best interest is it in? The first person there, the thief, or the God of the universe? It's in the best interest of the devil for us to believe that we're worthless, junk, we're garbage, we have nothing to offer God. Because as soon as he can convince us that we're totally depraved, we'll start to act that way, right? But when we actually see our value, church, actually, have any of you ever tried to do that? Like, 
hey, guys, you want to hear the good news? You know, like you go up to somebody and you're like, can I tell you some good news? Sure, tell me some good news. You suck. Like, you're just, you're terrible. Like, you're totally not worth anything. But Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah. Right. How does that work for you, right? It's like, it does not work. It is not, that's not where the good news starts. The good news starts with the love of the Father. And he actually wants to do something with your life. And he actually has a purpose for you. Let me, let's, go, let's go to the next passage. <clears throat> for you created my inmost being. This is David talking in the Psalms. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's one thing to talk about he created, he created, he made, he made. This is David, one man, talking about his God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Like, just get this. You, you, you were not a mistake. I don't care what your parents told you. (laughs) You're not a mistake. He had a plan for you from the beginning of time. And he made you. He knit you together. Let's go to the next passage here. Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud of the mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. With God, we don't have to worry about where we're going to stand. He gave us a firm foundation. He wants us to believe what this truth in Genesis 1 is actually saying. We don't have to go out and try to figure out what life is about on our own. He's saying, I am God. I'm your foundation. And he gave us that firm foundation so that we could walk his path. All throughout the Psalms and the Proverbs, he says he set our foot upon the path. Not only did he create us, he actually set our foot on the path so we could actually walk in his way. Because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Did you know that? Not only were you not a mistake, like God has some purpose for you that he doesn't have for anybody else. Isn't that cool? Like, like you are going to do something that I could never do. Because you're an image bearer of the Father. He created you. And he said, man, that was good. That was, that was, that was so good. God is telling a good story with your life. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Anything else that you try to believe is a lie. And it's from the one who's trying to kill you and destroy you. He has a purpose for you that's even bigger. Let me read the last passage here. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20 says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This, this way of thinking actually changed the way we see everybody, right? If, if I'm an image bearer of God, who are you? Who are you? You're an image bearer of God too, right? It's like, so it changes the way I have to see everybody. People aren't my enemy anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do not any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Man, he gave us a whole new picture about who we are. We aren't Genesis 3. We're a brand new creation, hot off the line. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciled to the world 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. What is that? Genesis 3, God doesn't even see that. <laughs> we look back, that's all we see. Who, how could I ever be of anything to God? I, I can only see my sins. God's like, what are you talking about? I don't, even, I don't even see that. Like, I see who I created you to be. God sees the perfect image of what he made you to believe, or what he made you to be. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal right through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, real quick. I just want to say, it's so that we might be reconciled to God is what this passage says. And so there might be some of you in the room who've been here for a while. Maybe it's your first time here. You've been checking out this God thing. I'll tell you what, this is what God has been trying to do from day one, literally before day one. It says that the spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. He brought order. He separated all these things into the chaotic places. And God is doing the same thing today. He is trying to bring peace and order and life into the midst of our chaos. And he's inviting us in and he's saying, hey, it, your life is better if you're part of the story that I'm trying to tell because I'm telling a really stinking good one. It's a doozy and I want you to be a part of it. Nobody says that anymore. It's a doozy, right? I heard some whispers. Wow, I can't believe he just said that. That's what all people say. Um, like God, he wants us to be a part of his story. He wants us to agree with him when he says in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God, not in the beginning, me. If the story is in the beginning, me, it becomes a pretty dull story and it becomes pretty predictable really fast. And here at K2, we're about the adventure of following God. Like when we actually live in our design, when we live in the image of God, like it becomes pretty stinking awesome. Like it's, it's a ton of fun, like getting to actually live out the way that God made us. So I want to invite you today, if you have not accepted God, that's the number one. And just write down, like there's boxes on like that connection card we got in the like, you want to follow Christ? We want you to do that because he wants to reconcile us is what it says. He wants to make that a possible path for you. But even more than that, it says in here that we are actually called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of Christ. It's like when we go out, now that you know, you guys, you guys are under uh, an extra burden now because you know the good news, right? What's, the good news is that God created you, he made you in his own image, and he said it's very good. Now, that's a message that you, says, if you know Christ, you are compelled to go out and actually tell people about that. It's the truth. So, did you know that you're a pastor now? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah, glad that you're here, part of the party. We're all on this team together, right? We're happy to be here. But God has committed us to this ministry of reconciliation. So I've got a few implications uh, to finish this, this thing out. Number one, 
God declared that creation is good. Okay? God declared it is good. And if you're going to make him, if you're going to agree with that statement, in the beginning, God, he's the creator. He gets the final say. That's what you have to believe about yourself. Okay? Let's keep moving. We have to trust that others are a part of God's good creation too. Right? It's this, 2 Corinthians talks about this. We actually change the way that we see people. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 says that flesh and blood, people, aren't your enemy. Your true enemy, it says, are the principalities and powers of darkness. It's the, the, the powers that try to tell us that we're actually no good, that we're worthless. That's all our enemy is. Like, people actually, all they need to know, they actually, even if they seem like they're, any of you, they're your enemy, what they really need is to hear this gospel of reconciliation, that they're actually worth something because they probably have, like Kip was talking about, that that dude that didn't have a father, right? They're probably working out of their woundedness. They're working out of their, they're not working out of their design, and they're working with a a broken picture of who they are because they, they don't realize that they have a father who loved them, who created them, who knit them together their own, in, in their mother's womb, called them good, and then gave them a purpose, right? Like, we, we understand that now. It changes the way we see everybody in the world. Now, they're, they're everybody around us, there's so much possibility in each one of them. And just can you imagine the celebration when they actually get to live this way? And we get to live alongside each other and get to see each other living out our design the way that God made us? That's good news right there. And number three is this. We have to stop telling ourselves the lies. God made you, and he doesn't make mistakes. If we start, if we keep, this is like the same implication twice, one and three, right? If we keep telling ourselves our core reality is a mistake, we're actually bringing into question what God is trying to tell. And God does not make mistakes. He's got something really good to do with your life. And I just want to ask you, if you're a father in this room, I just want to encourage you to this. This is like part of our uh, job for our kids, right? It's like, it's not only believing it for ourselves, it's actually believing it for our children, that the truest true of them isn't that brat that just <laughs> took something from their, their sister or, you know, it, it's actually something much more real is inside of them. And it's the very image of God. And our job as fathers and mothers is to call out that goodness. And if we keep calling out all the bad things, all the mistakes, we're actually speaking lies of the enemy into their life. Now we've got to discipline them, of course. But our first priority as parents is to call out the good creation that's in them and to set them on that path, to help them set their feet on the rock like our Father did with us and to start walking that course, that path that says, in the beginning, God. If we can do that for our kids, we will set them up on such a better path as in today's day, like, the one thing that keeps getting worse for our kids and our teenagers is the fact that they're more and more and more depressed. 
There's more and more and more suicide, and it's because they have no purpose, and they have no vision, and they have no worth for our life. But God is saying, man, there's so much worth. I see so much potential. I have so much value for you. Let's go ahead and just ask God to pray into this. Lord, we pray that we believe you. Lord, this, this is the truest true of who we are. Lord, that we are your good creation. Lord, and that everything else that tries to speak opposite is a lie. Lord, it's you, your enemy trying to get us off track, trying to get us off course, trying to seduce us into another way of thinking that isn't of you. Lord, I pray that we would remove those thoughts and we'd get back onto your track and your way where you're trying to move us to, Lord. Lord, renew our minds with this truth. Lord, help us to believe you. Lord, I pray for the fathers in the room. Lord, just if they're out there doing this already, Lord, just encourage them. Lord, tell them the truth about who they are, about what they're doing as dads. Lord, if they're still struggling, they didn't have their own dad in their life to give them a model of how to do this. Lord, I pray you would bring men around them to just lift them up, to speak life into them so they can do that for their own sons. Lord, we love you. Lord, we lift this day to you. Lord, we thank you for blessing it. We pray this in your name. Amen. And we've moved to a part of our service where we're going to do uh, a time of tithes and offerings. And so if you're new here, just know that this is one way that we give back. We believe truthfully that our God is so good. And he has this vision of what the world could be if people were actually living in his good design for them. And we are not going to stop until all of this valley hears it. And not only that, all the world, we've got a team in Swaziland right now, for goodness sake, telling about this good story. So we're going to go out and we're going to do it. And part of that is going to take resources. And so if you want to give to that, telling of the good story of God, please take part in that this morning. Our ushers are going out and they're, they're collecting that. But otherwise, we're going to continue our time of worship here with some great songs. You guys enjoy the rest of the service.